I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Specters, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom. I'm here with my good buddy, Sam and Seven the Legend. And today we're talking more about medicine again, but this time about a very specific person. Right, Sam? Yes, right. We've started this sub-series of episodes on the medicine of Mass Effect. I initially planned for that to just be like one episode, but then I quickly realized that between the metagel, gene therapy, cybernetics, and the medical professionals we meet along the way, there's just too much to get into. But today, we're talking about one of my favorite characters. We are dissecting the doctor of shock and awe. Dissecting. The, sil the silver fox surgeon. We are examining the physician that I would uh, like to examine. Uh, do, do you want to explain? Do you want to go into a little more detail about that? Why is that, Sam? <laughs> so for people who have listened to me off air enough, they know that I have uh, an inexplicable attraction to Dr. Chakwas. Dr. Chocolates, yes. Mm hmm um, so I, and I can't, I can't really explain it because she's like elderly. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's kind I think of, she's supposed yeah. to be anyway. Yeah. I mean, um, she's got the, the graying hair and but the, there's, there's like something about her that is like very magnetic and it's her personality. I, that's, it, that's it, why you love her so much. Yes. It wouldn't and, matter you know, what she looked like. You just like her personality. And so that's yeah, definitely right. So like if she was like a slobbering beast of a woman, that was <laughs> <laughs> like, just like dripping from the mouth. Like this is the personality. Okay, there might be a limit. Oh, okay. Um, all right. All right. <laughs> there might be, there might be a limit. I don't think love is truly blind. Um, <laughs> but, and, and, but you know, you know, you know, it's the personality, but maybe it's the accent. Maybe it's her silver hair her, her piercing green eyes or, or her gentle voice. Mm -hmm. It's, it's all very confusing for it's me. It's the whole and, package. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> she's, she's equal parts attractive, but also she's the grandmother that you respect and you don't want to let down. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Right. So, right. so really it is her personality. Uh, and I do think that she should be romanceable for the, for, for the character, but that's not possible. That being said, when we first meet her on the Normandy CIC, right in the beginning of Mass Effect 1, she is highly professional. She's intelligent, but she's also like a little bit no-nonsense. So we have, a, we think, have a clip here. We won't be staying on Eden Prime too long, will we? I'm itching for some real action. I sincerely hope you're kidding, Corporal. Your real action usually ends with me patching up crew members in the infirmary. The Spectres police themselves. An agent goes rogue, they send another agent to take him down. That's Spectre justice. The Corporal's confusing romantic legends with reality, Commander. 
Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, a little no nonsense there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit no nonsense. Then again, maybe she's amused by Jenkins' energy level uh, as kind of like an all right, calm down, whippersnapper. Yeah, moment, she's got you know? that like yeah, like I'm I'm the experienced one here. Everyone else just needs to settle down. Yeah, kind of quality. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because she is supposed to be older by the time we meet her, and, and given what is we we do know about her she's at least supposed to be in her 50s so she has no nonsense at first but as we get to know her we learn that she's more sensitive than she lets on and not not really necessarily sensitive in the crying at the sunset kind of way uh but in the introspective let's analyze a novel and have sad moments of clarity together kind of way (laughs) while drinking a glass of wine Exactly. <laughs> sitting on the porch <laughs> and during the yeah, sunset. Exactly. Sit- yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sitting on the porch with your grandmother uh-huh. talking about what may have been. <laughs> yeah. There was a time when I really had a thing for that boy. Oh boy, grandma. Okay. Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> so she even admits that she joined the Alliance, uh, probably out of a romanticized idea of what that service would entail. And, and I think that there's still a little bit of that romantic within her. Okay, that's a good point. So here, let's get into it. So how how did she start in the Alliance? So just to to give people, you know, uh, set expectations, we don't know a lot. She is indeed a minor character. Uh, So don't expect a level of background lore that you would get with someone like Anderson, who is a background character. He he is a minor character, but he's kind of a major He's, person of importance. He's more he's more often featured as you play through the games. Yes. Right. You you yes. come in fact almost every, like there's lots of ends of missions where you go and you hear from Anderson or whatever. But you don't that doesn't happen with Chakwas. Right. So I'm not sure how much we can get into concrete lore wise, but I will try to explain as much as we know. And so she is one of the only Normandy characters to not appear in any external media at all. That's a I bummer. I found that surprising. That's a bummer. I think we should petition them for like a Dr. Right. Chakwa's origin story. Origin story. I was thinking like contemplates the nature of reality and drinks a Chianti. Oh, God. No. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, let's just it's call it the It's an ASMR Chakwa's book m- also. The Chakwa's monologues. Yeah. It's an that's, ASMR that's audio book that helps you get to sleep at night, but also makes you like deeply disturbed about the nature of the universe. Yeah. If Carolyn Seymour wanted to voice an ASMR monologue series, I wouldn't be opposed to it, mm-hmm. just for the record. Um, but <laughs> and, so, and why is that? <laughs> why is that, <laughs> Sam? Uh, no reason. At any rate, she's not in any <laughs> of the comics, any of the novels or anything like that. So she's only in Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Which feels like a wasted opportunity, but whatever, I'm biased. So, as you can probably guess, she attended medical school, although we never learn what her specialty in medical training was. I'd venture to guess it's surgery because, I mean, her her name is literally Hacksaw rewritten. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. The rearranging the letters. Yeah, yeah. It's an anagram of Hacksaw. Yeah. And that, that's not a coincidence either, according to Drew Carpishan, who was the lead writer on Mass Effect. It's also uh, an anagram of Washcack. <laughs> I don't know what it I don't know what, means. I don't know what a washcack is, but it sounds kind of dirty. It sounds like, did you ever watch Galaxy Quest? N- no, I didn't. This is one series okay. I didn't, I didn't watch. Right. No. Well, 
for for everyone who does know, Gorignac is the reference that came up to mind. But in in a tweet Drew Carpishin sent out about two years after Mass Effect 3 released, he said the team made the anagram of Hacksaw because they actually wanted to conjure a feeling of an old-timey Sawbones field surgeon. Well, okay, so but we get into her like no-nonsense personality in the first game, and I, that kind of tracks a little bit more. Yes. Yeah, and I, th- I feel like maybe the direction changed after the first few lines that she read, and then maybe they realized, you know what? Hmm. Let's lean in the second and third games into something a little bit different. Sometimes or maybe that that was the thing from the get go. And, and I don't know, maybe sometimes they uh, they start out a character in a certain place so that they can have a character arc, even if it's a minor character. So in the in, a, in the situation like this, where it's somebody you don't interact with all the time, like one of your companions, there are still those moments throughout the series where as things change and develop, the character starts to soften up to you or you, you become more familiar with them. So it creates a, a trajectory for character development. So maybe yeah, that I was think. inserted from the beginning. Maybe it was something they added as they decided they wanted to keep her coming back in the extra games. I don't know. That would make sense, even given what she tells us throughout Mass Effect 1, because the foundation is there for an arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we do get one. We'll get into that. But after medical school, she joins the Alliance. And since she has a medical degree, I highly doubt that she needs to go through the typical boot camp uh, and likely doesn't really need to go through the typical officer school either. But but my guess is that she would at least need basic training because uh, as the as the saying goes, every Marine is a rifleman. Right. So. Right. Right. And she is serving on the vessels. Right. Yeah, it so. makes sense. It makes sense. Here's some basic training. This is how you, you know, basic instructions, how to use your weapons, how to follow orders and commands and all the stuff you need to know. But you're really not going to be doing this most of the time. So go on, do, do your medical stuff. Go hack up some Here's some how bones. you weaponize a bone saw. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> um, so she must have also received at least some level of medical training on alien biology and physiology because she is able to treat non-human crew members on the Normandy. That's a solid point, too. Yeah, I wonder if that's something that is inherently part of Alliance military medical training. I believe it is. Like, it would make sense if you're bringing a bunch of doctors from Earth into the Alliance to serve, then you would want to say, okay, well, you're going to at least need to know this about these alien races and this is how they differ from humans and what you need to do to treat them. Um, so do we know why she joined the military? Uh, I mean, it seems like being a doctor in the private sector would have more freedom, like better pay. I would, I would venture to guess. Yeah. That the short answer is adventure. That's why, but let's hear it in her own words. All right, here we go. Earth always seemed boring to me, too safe, too secure. I figured the colonies were teeming with exotic adventure. I wanted to travel the stars, tending the wounds of tough soldiers with piercing eyes and sensitive souls. (laughs) Turns out military life isn't quite as romantic as I'd imagined. But humanity needs the Alliance if we want to keep expanding through the Traverse, and the Alliance always needs good doctors. So I stayed on to do my part. Expanding through the traverse. I like it's that. clearly a very romanticized idea. Yeah. I, uh-huh. Next time somebody asks me, like, where are you going? I'm going to say expanding through the traverse. Like, especially if I don't know. Or just reverse it. Traversing through the expanse. Oh, that's a good show. 
We've talked about that. Yeah. (laughs) That said, so definitely a romanticized idea that she had to begin with. That's why she went in tending the, you know, the, so the wounded, how did she say that? Wounded soldiers with piercing eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, but she doesn't sound regretful about her service, at least initially, right? She sounds more like she's been jaded by the realities of military service, which we can get into later, but that's just how it sounds in that clip. Yeah. And if you remember when we talked about Anderson, he also had a somewhat romanticized view of space exploration. I believe he said something along the lines of, let's go see what we can find. Mm -hmm. That was his first command to uh, his XO at that time was Commander Shepard. So that was right when he got the Normandy. Yeah, and what you do find is a lot of uh, people going to war with each other and disagreeing about petty things in order to uh, kind of complicate things when they could be fighting the common enemy together, right? Like that's <laughs> that tends to be why they're jaded is that what they end up discovering is just more petty politics and warfare between these groups and all of this stuff and it's disappointing yeah it's disappointing it's like well there's not another you know alien race out there that seems to have figured it out more than we have they might have more technology or whatever but nobody's better off than we are and we're not better off than anyone else yeah trauma can also be incredibly jading yeah um and but given the two of them uh chakwas and anderson had previously worked together on some missions i'm I'm sure that that's how they got along well you know they they probably both had this romanticized idea of space travel and alliance service uh and we're both uh progressively getting jaded together you know i wonder if they're doing Uh, other things together i would wonder I I wouldn't be surprised, maybe. I mean, I bet there's some fan art out there somewhere. If their understanding of each other, platonic or not, mm-hmm. is what led Anderson to request her on his ship when he took over the Normandy. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe, because at that point, Anderson would have already been separated from his wife. Could be a thing. We're, we're, we're putting things out into the internet that are going to take root and blossom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, Definitely. In, in, in six months, we're going to see all this like fan art pop up and we're going to be like, so, oh, yeah, no. Someone, Did some Chakwas Anderson romance advocates are going to point to our episode and say, see, right. this is the evidence. There's going to be a Reddit post next week that's going to be like, hey, do you guys think Chakwas and Anderson ever had a thing together? Yeah, actually, let's talk about that for a second. (laughs) Tom and I are well aware of the fact that when there's a Reddit post that verbatim brings up one of our episodes the day after we post the episode, we know what happened. We know where you got the idea from, guys. It's cool. If you'd like to call out the show and drop a link, that would be cool, too, if you want. It's fine. You can get as many Internet points as you want from using our ideas. That's awesome. We appreciate the, you know that's that's cool like to keep talking about this stuff that's why we're here like let's talk about this stuff it's awesome um but yeah we know we know we're on the reddits we notice this stuff yeah we we (laughs) we consume a lot more mass effect content than we interact with than you guys know so but but that that's besides the point um yeah just a link that would be cool uh i mean you don't have to like you know give us full credit for any idea that you have but the thing about Reddit is as soon as somebody posts and says, like, hey, they just talked about this on the most recent Mass Effect Lorecast. What do you guys think? 
immediately everyone's going to be like, oh, you're from the show. You're trying to promote your own show. Down thumb, down thumb. And then it just goes to hell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so they can't really do that anyway. So I, I don't blame them. But um, it's yeah, it's just kind of funny. It's just one of those things yeah. that happens like at least once a month. And we're just like, uh, oh, wait, that's a coincidence. It's happened like twice in the past two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but but um, but yeah, we, we see it happen. But that's fine. About Chakwas. You know, she has, I, I, I brought up trauma. I said trauma could be one of the things that jades people. Uh, and there's a reason for that, that I brought it up because she has lived through some serious events, uh, some seriously traumatic events while also serving in the Alliance. And we can get to those after the mid break. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to go thank our patrons and don't go anywhere because we've got a lot more to talk about. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike, where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc message coming in patching it through i am sovereign and this station is mine I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons for being so awesome and welcome our new patrons to the Patreon. We have some new ones this week. We have a uh, this one, the friendly French Canadian. Wonderful name. Welcome. Welcome aboard. And Chris G. Welcome as well. So two new patrons this week. That brings us up to 68 current patrons. Thank you to every single one of you guys. We really do appreciate it. We couldn't keep this show going without your support. So we genuinely appreciate it. And we have a bunch of Shepherd tier patrons to, to call out as we do every week. Kolkashins, Kirasi, Lieutenant Tosino, Shep Valkyrian, that's Spectre J, and William. Thank you so much for your support. Also, we've got a new uh, a new review, Sam. Check this out. This one is from Paulo Esca in the United States, who writes, tell me another story about the shepherd. 
I like that. Um, they say, I feel like I'm late to the party, but I don't care. Don't worry. You're never too late to the party. We're still doing it. So it's cool. You showed up just in time. I love this podcast. I can't believe how much I missed on the millions of times I replayed the trilogy. But then again, I don't have all the DLCs. Oh, no. I love the research and the commentary, and it makes me want to get the le legendary edition and play this game over and over again go get it go get it and play through the dlcs it is a it is a very nice upgrade from the original one if you've been playing the original one for a long time you will notice all the things they've changed uh plus if you get it on pc go listen to our our mod episodes and get some of those mods especially if you're super familiar with the game they really do add a lot to it so thank you paolo and uh Uh, We really appreciate it. And anyone else who wants to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it out in a future episode of the show. Also, if you leave us a rating on Spotify, we will read that out. We will read out your rating on Spotify. That's not not how that works. I don't know what's going on with my brain today. Uh, But we will appreciate it. And (laughs) we very much appreciate the support. All right. So uh, we've got some other notes here on our our little uh, thing here, Sam. Do you want to share the good news about our YouTube channel? Yes, our YouTube channel has now passed 2,000 subscribers. That is insane. That is insane. That it was is... just like weeks ago that we passed 1,000 subscribers. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like four or five weeks ago. Yeah. So, so there are a number of you. There are a few hundred of our listeners who regularly are now checking out the episodes on YouTube. Hi, everybody. Welcome. We're glad you guys are here. Um, That is awesome. Welcome to the community. Feel free to join us on our discord or, uh, you know, heck, jump into Sam's live streams and chat with him, like be part of the community. We'd love for you to to be here. Comment on the videos. We really do appreciate that. So um, awesome. Thank you all for subscribing to the channel as well. You guys are amazing. All right. That's going to do it for the middle of the show. Let's move on with more Dr. Chocolates. Here we go. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. So, Sam, you brought up how uh, Anderson and Dr. Chakwas have kind of a jaded quality. They start out with this, like, let's see what's out there. And they start to feel kind of jaded, like like they've seen some stuff. Yeah. So Dr. Chakwas has lived through the first contact war, the liberation of Shanxi, the Skillian Blitz. The list goes on, uh, and, and that's what she tells Shep when when they ask if sure if she's sure that she wants to go on the suicide mission in Mass Effect Two. So here's the clip. There's a very good chance this mission will be a one-way trip. Are you prepared for that? I've been through the reclaiming of Shanxi, the Skillian Blitz. We survived the Battle of the Citadel and the destruction of the Normandy together. I've lived a full life, no regrets. I'd like to make sure the crew gets the same opportunity. Yeah, such a she has such a good accent. <laughs> I really do like Isn't it. Isn't it so amazing? Yeah. It's so we don't know exactly what she did in those events or how involved she even was. Uh, but the timeline of when she must have joined the Alliance and her mentioning having been on operations with Anderson, it certainly suggests that she was more involved than she's letting on. And we start to get this picture of Chakwas being a total badass, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also another picture that we have to kind of uh, coincide with that. Dr. Chakwas has a great bedside manner. You just brought up her voice, right? Bed- Amazing bedside manner. Bed- oh, as a physician. Yes, as a physician. Uh, I got, okay. 
Got it. Her her voice is very soothing. <laughs> as a physician. As a physician. This right. is all very professional. Yes. Um, right. Bed like bed in a hospital side manner. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. <laughs> she's always quite calm. She's collected. And she seems to be in a rather pleasant mood, right? In the typical posh British grace mm -hmm. uh, that, that uh, we Americans mm -hmm. like to occasionally make fun of. Yes, I like um, her pleasant mood near the bedside. <laughs> but it is it is very stereotypical, like gentle bedside manner of a doctor. Mm -hmm. And which is so juxtaposed because her her last name is uh, an anagram of hacksaw. <laughs> right. So uh, so it's kind of funny. But here's where I take a little bit of a turn into hyperanalysis mode. Um, so if you're if you're watching along and you're thinking this is getting a little bit boring, well, guess what? It's about to go into overdrive. Uh, so put in put on your um, tinfoil hats. What if there is a much darker, sadder side of Dr. Chakwas that we don't know about because she hides it? That could I mean, this could be a very, very real thing. This is not an like this is a very human thing to do. Right. You put on yes. your professional face. You say things in polite, like professional ways. But deep inside, you're harboring something. I feel like well, most most of us have been through that in some place, in some way. We know that she has likely seen some super serious stuff and probably extremely traumatic things to go along with that. And I, I think that it takes it starts to take a toll on the young, good doctor with these bright hopes about the future of tending to wounded soldiers, you know. So let's listen again to something that she says in passing in Mass Effect 1. This is a clip we already played, but let's let's play it again, this specific part. <laughs> Turns out military life isn't quite as romantic as I'd imagined. But humanity needs the Alliance if we want to keep expanding through the Traverse, and the Alliance always needs good doctors. So I stayed on to do my part. So clearly life sobered her dreams, right? That's what I hear anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did this, but because of this, so I did my part. Yeah, but mm -hmm. she, she keeps going. She keeps going because she feels this obligation. It's a duty that she describes, but not one to herself or her team even, but, but she feels the weight of humanity on her shoulders. Yeah. Which is a byproduct of that romanticized idea. Right. 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 But, and the responsibility to the Alliance and the soldiers that she decided to be there for. That's what she signed up for. Right. She made a commitment and she's mm -hmm. going to see it through. Um, and you remember, you know, the other clip where she says that she's just joining the Normandy again to make sure everyone else gets this full life to live. That carries with it, a, uh, you know, a bit of sad undertones, doesn't it? And uh, it's it's just um, it's sad. <laughs> and maybe it doesn't mean that she has endured these extreme this extreme trauma. Uh, right. But. But she does bring up trauma a couple of times. And Dr. Chakwas claims to have put the, these events of, of the abduction of, of the, by the collectors when she's in the collector base at the end of Mass Effect 2. She claims to have put that behind her, unlike Kelly. Kelly has nightmares about it. But Dr. Chakwas says she does wonder about the victims and the tragedies of, that, of the war. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Mm-hmm. So and so we know that there's a sensitive person in there. Right. And so let's listen to how she, how she says that she can't stay away from life aboard starships and what keeps bringing her back. Commander Shepard, I watched the Normandy crumble with you on board. It's good to see you alive. I'm shocked. You're serving on a Cerberus vessel now? Surprising, even to me. Yet, here I am. The kind of trauma you endured would have changed most people. But not you, I see. Welcome back, Shepard. Doctor, you've been with the Alliance for years. Why leave now? After the Normandy was lost, the surviving crew was reassigned. I was stationed at the Mars Naval Medical Center. A very respectable position, but it wasn't on a starship. Colonial military life isn't for you? I've spent most of my life on warships, never knowing what the next mission might bring. I'm used to the hum of engines, the creaking of bulkheads, that subtle vertigo when the momentum dampeners kick in. Life planetside is just too static, too boring. You're not the Cerberus type, Doctor. I don't work for Cerberus. I work for you. On a mission that may be crucial to the survival of the human race. I have faith that your dealings with Cerberus will be ethical. I trust you, Commander. So it's ultimately this this desire to uh, that she can't stay away from these life aboard starships i mean you heard her explain it incredibly in a romantic way right the hum of the of the engines and the bulkhead the creaking bulkheads and it's this this obligation and that love of nomadic starship life that is keeping her from living this normal stable life on the ground of any one planet Mm -hmm. and that's sad right there's that's that's sad for anyone else that has the happiness and the creature comforts of a normal life. Right, right. This, this, uh, I don't know, this uh, understanding that she's sacrificing something. And it's lonely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we know that she does enjoy drinking, which seems to be a fun you know, a fun getaway, let loose kind of section when you're playing through the games. But I encourage people to kind of review those scenes in a different light, because when you think about Chakwas, you know, you're distracted throughout the game with your different missions here and there, and you've got all this important shit happening. And you know what I mean? And and you're off saving the galaxy. But if you put yourself in Chakwas's shoes, and she en- and you know she enjoys drinking and it's not always a happy celebratory drink with her commander sometimes it gets pretty sad and so here's a clip from mass effect 2 when we are when we the players are involved in that <laughs> i thought olenko's biotic display might have broken jenkins back but jenkins pops up and yells that was awesome <laughs> oh jenkins Soldiers like him make the Alliance great. Cerberus lacks the same enthusiasm. With your service record, you could have gotten a tour of duty on any Alliance ship. Why'd you really leave? Maybe it's less about leaving and more about staying. As a military doctor, I mostly treat people who are in bad shape. Often they die. 
And if I can help them, they move on. Either way, they leave. Don't you have any friends or family? No, not lacking friendship. Just stability. Jeff, Joker will always have Rolex Syndrome. He would never admit it, but he needs my help, and he always will. I wish it weren't, but sadly, it's true. Treating Joker gives you a kind of stability. So does this ship, even if it's a copy. Or, hell, maybe it's you, Shepard. Our removable center. A place for a person to stop and catch her breath. Or maybe I'm just happily drunk. Would it hurt if it was simple like that for once? Wow, that's yeah. She discloses some pretty personal stuff, like thoughts right there. Um, what was your, you know, first thought when you heard that clip? Well, there's a like a being tied to your job, and that's the place you take comfort because you've sacrificed all the personal things that you could have had for the career choice. Right. And so you're finding those connections and comforts in your career choice, while at the same time, those things are extremely taxing on you because of the kind of career you chose. Having to uh, help soldiers who are constantly dying or becoming injured in terrible ways. Um, but yet you still find solace in that, in, in, in being needed, you know, like the, mm. the connection with Joker, like Joker needs me. So it gives me purpose. But yet, well put. At, at, but for every Joker who's surviving still and, and still there to, you know, drive her on, there's dozens of other soldiers who didn't make it. And that starts to wear on you. That's that's yeah. my that's my interpretation, I guess, in a nutshell. Well, I mean, you're right. You know, she says as a military doctor, the people I help, they die mm -hmm. or they move on. And either way, they leave. Right, right. And like the the weight with which she says that you can well first of all amazing voice acting, second of all, uh, you can hear the pain in her voice, and she's and just a little bit precipice. of drunkenness, and a little bit of yes. the I've had too many drinks and so I'm I'm oversharing a little bit. Yes. And that is why I brought up the sad moments of clarity earlier uh, with the glass of wine on the porch with Grandma. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> She's just on the precipice of telling us that she has virtually no loved ones in her life when she interrupts herself to talk about how Jeff needs her, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Jeff needs her. Well, then she needs Shepard, which she jokes about, mm -hmm. or maybe I'm just happily drunk. Would it, would it hurt if it were so simple like that for once? Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's she's clearly somebody who sees the complexity in the things. And, and she's an educated person. She's a, a medical professional. She's somebody who understands complexity. Like you can't you cannot be a doctor and not understands nuance and complexity. Right. There's yeah. never a simple solution to something. There's never one way to view a thing. There's always complexity and nuance in everything. And she understands that even when she's talking about herself and her own emotional burdens and the things going on, 
in you know internally and then she's like or maybe i'm just happily drunk and it's just that simple for once like in this like it's probably not but why don't we just chalk it up to that? right right it's exactly it's probably not but you know what i'll just i'll just say i'm overthinking it yeah and you know it's probably me so she actually passes out from drinking that night uh too much with the commander which is funny on the surface like this is again one of those situations where it's funny on the surface Mm -hmm. but when you consider her tendency to let sadness slip into her tone when her guard is down and and the trauma that she's had to endure and all of these other things it leads me to think that combined with her keeping a bottle of ice brandy under her desk as a regular thing what if she drinks alone when the commander isn't there yeah i mean yeah and she she overindulges in front of her boss <laughs> right i mean i get it they're under a lot of stress but these are signs of depression right and and these games are not a sitcom these games are a drama and in a sitcom, yes. that's a funny moment because nothing sticks and nothing really matters. Everything's a cartoon. This is not that. These games are a drama. There is something deeper. There's something more meaningful happening here. Right. So there really there really is a decent amount of evidence to suggest that Dr. Chakwas is a far more tragic character than we know. Uh, she is the stereotypically lonely professional who has dedicated so much of her life to her work, like you said, that that she has sacrificed any long-lasting, deep personal connections. And now she finds that without the purpose that her work gives her, she would be empty and alone. Mm-hmm. But she hides it with this positivity and grace, saying in Mass Effect 3, while well, the Alliance is my spouse and you are all my children. It's a nice way to tell someone, don't worry about me. Yeah, don't don't worry about me. I'll be fine. And and it's that it's that self-martyr thing. It's the I'm doing this because I know I'm not getting anything out of it, but it needs to be done. Somebody has to do it. So I'm doing it. And it's 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 also a way of justifying all of the things that you've given up and lost through some form of meaning that, you know, the pain that I have deep inside is going to be worth it in the end, because at least it's going to benefit somebody else. And. And what's even more heartbreaking is that while while she's putting on this facade for Shepard to stay strong for Shepard, um, she eventually emotionally succumbs uh, and kind of lets it out when she's talking to her confidant, Engineer Adams. And she's she admits to Adams, I lied about my feelings to put on a brave face. And so, you know, you think of all that and you think and you hear that one time that she finally admits to Adams that she has been just lying about her feelings and putting on a brave face. Uh, And this person that you very much respect and that respects you and has seemingly been needless for attention, completely selfless, that and that so you consider these moments of drinking the ice brandy with her which are really the only bonding moments that shepherd has with her and you think of those moments and the fact that she doesn't have anyone that loves her really she doesn't have any family or friends and so those moments with the ice brandy are sadly some of the best companionship that she might have right right the the few moments where she's able to actually open up to other people yeah exactly and that's like three times right yeah throughout the entire series yeah (laughs) so and she's been in the alliance for decades but i digress we don't know much of her time in the alliance 
you know, besides that she has been in for what has to be at least 20 years, uh, has served with Anderson before, has attained enough commendations to serve on any vessel that she wants. And she's also reached the rank of major. Yeah. So you you could call her Major Hacksaw. Major Major Hacksaw. <laughs> um, a major, for those who don't know, a major in the military is not a low rank. No, it's, that's nothing major to sneeze at. Qu- yeah. Quite a high rank. Right, right. Um, you have to do some serious work for a long time to reach that rank. Yes. So it would command a lot of respect when she walks in the room. But as I understand it, military doctors don't usually go by their rank. Uh, they just go by doctor. So mm-hmm. this reputation uh, that Chakwas holds, it, it may be how she avoided being tried in connection with Shepard's supposed war crimes by the beginning of Mass Effect 3, mm-hmm. because technically in Mass Effect 2, she was never on contract with Cerberus. She tells us this. It's hard to believe, but she says that she did receive a proper leave of absence from the Alliance before going and working with Shepard in Mass Effect 2. So so maybe, and I was I was thinking about this, if if she received the proper leave of absence and she says that she was never on contract with Cerberus, then that means that she never accepted money from Cerberus while aboard the Normandy during Mass Effect 2, which would also mean, in other words, that she went to go work for Shepard f- for free. Right, right. Side note, if she was a major in the military, then she was making a pretty solid amount of pay at that point. So she may have had the financial stability to go do something like that. She also seems like somebody who's very, uh, very duty minded, very goal oriented and willing to sacrifice. So that also fits the personality. Yeah, she probably had a tidy sum saved up, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. deployment bonuses. I mean, she, with, no family what is she going to spend it on. Yeah, like no family or loved ones that she's like, you know, buying Christmas presents for or taking on vacation or, you know, uh, buying a house in the Hamptons in order to pass it down down to her children when she leaves her. N- none of that stuff. Right. Yeah, uh, of course, that could have been ex- a convenient writing excuse. The whole Cerberus not paying her thing to make sure that she was around and available to join you, the player again in Mass Effect 3. Sure, sure. Uh, so, but that's that's just kind of where Shepard and Chakwas are and the mutual respect that they have for each other is 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 not just admirable, but but it's impressive. They never call each other by their first names. Even though despite the conversation in Mass Effect 3, the commander of a ship would certainly know his doctor's name mm-hmm. <laughs> and she would certainly know the commander's name. So, in fact, she and Shepard are some of the only characters in the entire trilogy that are exclusively addressed by their title and last name. Yeah. So, so wait, so what is her first name? You're going to love it. Um, but that's an Easter egg not everyone may have found. Uh, let's take a listen and, and listen listen very closely. Remember our agreement? We'd open a bottle of Cerise Ice Brandy every year, and it's my turn to buy. But it hasn't been a year yet. Yes, well, something tells me we won't have the chance a few months from now, so indulge my impatience. You grab the glasses. I'll open the bottle. And Jeff says... Jack, Jacqueline, subject zero, sorry, but it's man to me. I'd like to keep my Admiral Winky. 
Oh, Shepard. You know, I just realized. You've never called me by my first name. Well, neither of you. And I never will. You are Commander Shepard. Hero of the Citadel. Conqueror of the Collectors. Savior of the Galaxy. Using your first name just disrespects everyone you're fighting for. Alive or gone. <laughs> that makes no sense. Consider it a lady's prerogative, then. Come. Let's have a toast. To a woman I'm proud to call my friend. I'm lucky to have you with me, Karen. And to you, dear friend. It is my great honor to share this journey with you. Commander Shepard. And good fortune to us all. So we just got confirmation there that his actual first name is Commander. Yes. <laughs> or, I mean, that was Commander the male Commander. shepherd. So, he, because that was the male shepherd. But <laughs> that shepherd, their first name is Commander. Commander Shepherd. Commander Commander Shepherd. We joked about this at one point on an episode we a did, long yeah. time ago. Um, confirmation. But we also... <laughs> we also got confirmation that she is a Karen. She's a Karen. I know, right? That's so funny. Yeah. So Dr. Chakwes is a Karen. For those of you who didn't know, uh, and I figured I'd save that little detail for last here. You can, t <laughs> but Karen aside, you can tell they respect each other in their conversations. Um, you know, I I got to give it up to the the way that one writer Jennifer Culp. Uh, put it in an article for uh, an online publication called the Mary Sue, and it was well explained. Uh, here's what Jennifer Culp writes. The esteem in which Chakwes holds Shepard is, in my opinion, one of the highest honors the savior of the galaxy managed to, man, manages to earn over the course of the trilogy. Nice. Nice. Because that is that is the quiet confidence and the respect that Dr. Chakwes commands or at least should command uh, because apparently she is highly decorated she has been in the alliance for some serious events the skillian blitz uh, the liberation of shanxi i mean hell she survived being abduct abducted by the collectors uh, she she survived being attacked by the collectors twice and her <laughs> ship being scuttled yeah. uh, once yeah so she has survived a lot and she is a walking badass yeah even though she handles it with such grace yeah well, well said. That's a good way to, to wrap this up. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this look at Dr. Chakwas. This has uh, been enlightening to me as well. And I'm sure that every time you, I know Sam, Sam's in charge of the research. I'm sure every time you do the research, you get, you're enlightened by some of the things that you discover. So it's always fun. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So where are we going next week? So up next week, we are talking about Dr. Michelle, a different doctor. And we're also talking about diseases in Mass Effect. So cool. Okay. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be having a very nasty, infectious, disease ridden episode and also talking about a doctor. Exciting. All right. Well, yes. into the medical stuff. I'm glad we waited till like uh, COVID has begun winding down to be handling all this medical stuff, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's yes. a little Absolutely. bit less touchy than it used to be. Um, all right. Cool. Well, anything else going on you want to share before we wrap it up? Yes, of course. So I am streaming my first female rider playthrough of Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, that is on Thursdays 
on Saturdays, I am doing my first neutral shepherd playthrough. I've never decided to do a neutral shepherd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm wondering how I'm going to manage this when in later games after Mass Effect 1, they really force you to go Paragon or Renegade route. Uh, yeah, oh, just avoiding one- the button presses when it flashes yes. a thing on the screen is is just like, Ugh! there's a part of me that's like, I have to hit, nope. I gotta hit, I gotta the, hit, the, hit the trigger. Right, I feel, no, I feel like I miss it if I don't hit it, even if I choose not to hit it. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's going to be my struggle because I'm going to willfully miss every interrupt mm-hmm. and just see how bad my story becomes. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be awful. Um, Driving I this train you into the wall. And for those of you who needed extra incentive to come see that stream, I accidentally slash not accidentally made my shepherd look like Tom. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go go look at me. On, yeah. It's awesome. So yes, I'm so excited he's to not be your named Tom Shepard. I'm so excited he's to be named... your apathetic shepherd. <laughs> it's not that he's <laughs> it's not that he's apathetic. It's more like he just wants to go home. <laughs> he's just <laughs> he, bored. <laughs> he's like, why am I doing this? I just want to go the, home and do my thing. Saving the universe is so not exciting, guys. <laughs> like, what what else would be more exciting, Shepard? I don't know, going home, taking a nap. <laughs> Okay. I had like a hungry man I was planning on heating up and <laughs> oh, oh man I was like I thought maybe I'd hang out with the boys shoot some hoops wait <laughs> that's more exciciting well you know I mean they're they're cool guys we have a lot of fun anyway so yeah go check yeah, out your exactly. stream where can where, where can they go check out your stream uh I am on twitch at in seven the legend uh people can also find me on twitter at the same handle Awesome. Awesome. I've got all my stuff, robotsradio.net, with my shows, all the other lore casts that I do. If you like uh, Elder Scrolls or Fallout or Lord of the Rings or The Witcher, those are my other shows. And then Starfield Lorecast is going to be gearing back up as we get closer and closer to the actual launch of the game. So I've got that stuff, plus lots of other shows, lots of other shows on the network, robotsradio.net. And if you go to robotsradio.net and click on the shop button, there's a sale right now. For this month, I uh, moved stores. We're on a different store than we used to be and got better prices for the shirts. And then on top of that, put it on, put them all on 20 percent off. So I'm basically giving them giving away a cost. I'm not making much off of these. It's a way to just say thank you for being part of the community. If you've been wanting to pick up a shirt go for it. It's about as cheap as I can, I can do them. So, uh, you know, for you or for a loved one, if you want to pick up one of the shirts, there's a bunch of fun ones on the network, including one with my face that says words is hard. There's some new ones as well. So go check those out. Robotsradio.net. And thank you everybody for tuning in. We'll be back next week, Friday. Uh, we did it a little bit later this week, usually 5 PM Eastern 2 PM Pacific. We'll see you guys next time. Stay safe out there. Bye everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.